Welcome to Season 5 of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Farina, a veterinarian, a writer. I've worked in the animal healthcare industry, and prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and a radio personality. So yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. In each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a veterinarian or technician so they can share their own directions and journeys, what's worked, what hasn't, and how they've made it all fit. Thank you for joining me as we explore veterinary medicine combined with all the other aspects of our lives. One last thing. Thank you, Zoetis. Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support this incredible profession. Today, we get to chat with Dr. Kyle Granger, a veterinarian who is a 2020 graduate from University of Wisconsin in Madison and currently in a small animal rotating internship at Seattle Veterinary Specialist in Kirkland, Washington. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, we have so much to talk about. This is exciting. So... About five years ago, you were accepted to vet school, if I did the math right, and you begin your studies expecting you're going to just graduate in 2020 and all will be normal except kaboom, COVID-19 hit. So tell us about your experience and what you were thinking about during your fourth year. It hit all suddenly, all of a sudden. Uh Cause I was actually on vacation uh, in California. Like it was like the one vacation, you know, that fourth years get. So I took it <laughs> and I was in like San Diego, California, uh, celebrating like my partner's birthday uh, there. And I kept getting like a lot of text messages about it. Like, Oh, like someone, we think someone tested positive in the hospital and you know, like yada, yada, yada. And so um, I got four text messages like, oh, my God, someone just coughed in the hospital uh, <laughs> and they evacuated the hospital. <laughs> I was like, OK, <laughs> things have gotten things have transitioned to a very tragic state. Um, and when I returned from vacation, uh, we were not doing clinics. We were. Uh, primarily um, doing remote learning um, and the remote learning was fun. It was it allowed for a lot of uh, the teaching personnel to see exactly like where the deficits were in their rotation and things like that, or at least from my perspective, that's what I saw. Um, but also it was also, uh, I can't, I don't, I don't want to say like detrimental, but it was a very different learning perspective for me um, because one of my rotations was ophthalmology. And in order to see like exactly what's happening with the eye, you have to see the eye. Oh my God, that was punny. Um, but <laughs> you have to like visualize it. Uh, right. It has to be there in front of you. So it was, it was a different experience, especially for like the last month and a half of our learning um, because you didn't, I didn't realize how pivotal it was for me to be in the clinics to actively learn until COVID hit. So yeah. And speaking about pivoting, you know, for those first three and a half years of vet school, you know, you're, you're, you're expecting and like being trained to become a veterinarian in a normal world. And I'm curious how Wisconsin, you know, pivoted during that chaotic time. Oh, it was a, it was a quick pivot. Uh, 
<laughs> some rotations <laughs> were um, very keen on it, um, like remote learning wise, because they have like these things set up. So like our dentistry rotation was absolutely amazing. They already had like, boom, all right, we have these modules, we have this, we have this, we have this, rah, rah, rah. you know, um, whereas uh, other rotations kind of struggled in the beginning because it was also like the phase in of like the Canvas system and everyone's trying to learn how to use Canvas and all these other things. So the modules weren't as set up or as eloquent as uh, you would expect them to be. Uh, so it was a learning curve for all of the rotations. But I think that um, overall, they pivoted pretty well, uh, given all of the circumstances. But as you know, as we all know, a fourth year, it's like you're in the hospital the whole time. And now, bam, you've got to quickly change. And just as you were talking about ophtho, you know, pictures don't replace like a living, breathing, you know, pug with, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For the, you know, people can't see us. They can only hear us. But as Kyle was, was showing an exploding eye with his fingers, which was perfect. <laughs> but you can't, right, you can't, you know, they, they it's, it's close, but you can't, it's not the same. So right. how do you wrap your head around? Like, this is going to be very different. I just roll with the punches and just say like, you know, this is the best that we have. So uh, there was a key point of, I think, resiliency with that plays a big role in that, like how um, inflexibility as well as adaptability, you know, like those are key qualities that um, as a veterinarian, I think are pretty pivotal to being a functional and um, successful veterinarian in many aspects. And so I, throughout my first three years, that was, those were qualities that I had been working on for um, quite some time because I found that out very early. And so when we had to pivot, it was very easy for me to just transition on over to the re remote learning. Um, and then that's when I just, if I had more questions, I would just develop more questions. But um, I do have my classmates who uh, we have our own little group chats and things like that, where it was just like, man, this sucks. Uh, I just don't feel like I'm getting the same quality of experience. Um, I'm still paying the same tuition for remote learning, you know, things like that. Um, and so uh, there is like some portions of like those three qualities that I mentioned earlier, like flexibility, adaptability, um, as well as resiliency that plays a big role in how you perceive or how you are able to receive um, a good portion of the things that you're, uh, that you had to adapt to, especially with COVID times. You mentioned that you said you found out early that those three traits you needed to have. What happened or what did you know that made you think, I need to really be adaptable and flexible and be resilient to be a good vet? My first year, I went to a SAVN symposium uh, as a voice student representative um, because the voice national body used to have uh, their meetings during the SAVN symposium. Um, and so we used to go there. We used to learn about like what voice was and also like um, talk about the different programs that each school has and every president and things of that nature. Uh, and so when I went there, I met uh, Dr. Greenhill, Lisa Greenhill, um, who is the national voice uh, advisor. Um, and we were going through her different like PowerPoints and I went to a few different sessions of hers. And I found out that like, these are qualities that are not necessarily innate qualities that everyone has, but something that you have to work towards. Um, and ever since then, she told me, you know, 
hey, you're a unicorn in this field. Um, and these are things that like I look out for, especially for uh, students of color, uh, things of that nature. And so the resiliency part, um, communication, uh, adaptability, flexibility, being able to like really roll. I like to say roll with the punches, but it's really just being able to just adapt to any situation and then try to find uh, the positives out of it was something that she had commented on earlier uh, during my first year. And since then, it just been trailing with me. Did anything happen prior to meeting Dr. Greenhill where you're like, oh, I need to develop these things? Did anything like happen prior to that that made you just have an aha moment when you heard her talk about it. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, If we take it from like the perspective of just academics, um, I didn't perform as well as I wanted to during like uh, the first set of my exams. Um, And so I beat myself up about it a lot um, because, you know, you're your own harshest critic, especially within veterinary medicine, where you come from undergrad and like your grades were spectacular. And then you go to vet school and you're just like, oh, gosh, I have never received anything lower than an A. So this is by far the hardest thing I've ever had to face. Um, So academically, like the test part of it really hit me uh, from, you know, left side or uh, what is that baseball analogy from left field. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the other things were, you know, not being, uh, I've moved from Illinois to Wisconsin. And so not having the same friends, not having the same like, community, uh, especially being like the um, identifying as like one of the few students of color, like within my class. So not having that community with me uh, at all times or be having access to that community, especially because I was a new student moving to an entirely new campus. Uh, so not knowing those resources for students of color. Uh, those were all things that like, I was just like, well, this is much of a culture shock as I can possibly get. And I, I don't know how to deal with it. So for a good portion of time, it was more like, oh, well, I guess I'll just be secluded by myself for a little bit because I need to find out how to adapt. Um, so those were like two aha moments that took me, uh, that hit me, um, during the time where she was presenting about those qualities. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can understand. My goodness. And it's funny because then when you get to vet school, you know, you think it's not that you think you're all that, but as an undergrad, if you do well, you're like, yeah, I, I know my stuff. And then you go to vet school and you're like, everybody knows their stuff. You're like, you know, <laughs> and you're, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you're suddenly thrown in and you're, you're like, wait, there's the valedictorian of Yale and the valedictorian. Of, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Huh. This is a whole different <laughs> world I'm in right now. <laughs> yes, it definitely can shake you up. That is literally my life. <laughs> Did you decide to do an internship because of COVID? Uh, no. Um, okay. I am uh, always inquisitive. And uh, I think my personal statement for entering vet school was always like knowing the how and whys of why this happens or how this occurs. And that's still pretty much me um, to like the T. Like I like to know more if I can educate myself more and be a better veterinarian then why not. Um, and so that's why I did the internship because I was more interested in learning how I could be a better uh, veterinarian. Also learning how to more 
getting that mentorship directly from like the specialists and things of that nature. Cause I really like that aspect of fourth year while simultaneously being able to handle cases on my own, learn from my own mistakes, um, things like that. Those were the primary reasons why. And also because I thought um, I wanted to specialize in something. I just didn't know what it was. Well, what do you want to seek out? I mean, what do you plan to seek out next? My mentor, shout out to Dr. Mueller um, here. She's a cardiologist at Kirkland um, and I adore her. Uh, I love cardiology um, to my like inner core. I never really liked cardiology before my fourth year where Dr. Callahan was there and she was the love of my life for cardiology. And then I went to Kirkland where Dr. Mueller was there for cardiology. However, there was one case, um, and I can say the pet's name because we know nothing about it, but it's, uh, it was a cat um, who had kidney disease, but it was unknown why it had kidney disease, but it also had um, heart issues that were undiagnosed until the point where um, it had received like 100 milliliters of subcutaneous fluids and it went into heart failure right after that. Um, and so we came in for echocardiogram and we were like, oh my goodness. And then like looking at the x-rays, like his kidneys look weird and bad. And then looking at his blood work, his kidney values were like 11.3 for creatinine and 191 for BUN, but uh, the cat looked fabulous. I kid you not. Like the cat looks like it was living his best life. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so after that, I was like, oh, oh, I think that I am a internist by trade. <laughs> <laughs> so internal medicine, I'm pretty sure, is what I'm going to be pursuing next because I just like to know more. And I like multiple different systems and I'll just be an internist with like a, a facet or a love for cardiology too. Excellent. And so it's really interesting because I feel like, or I'm getting the sense that your plans haven't changed by today's times. Like you, you seem like you, like you knew what you wanted to do and you know, a meteor could hit Earth and, you know, COVID hits. We've got a global pandemic and Kyle, it just keeps going like you. Yes, <laughs> that's the sense I'm getting. But correct me if I'm wrong. It's like it didn't seem going back to flexibility and adaptability. It's like nothing, nothing really phased you. Yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I personally think that uh, COVID was one of those things that was like a, a blessing in disguise. It was terrible for the public. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, right. But with regards to, uh, I am a big fan of communication. And so like communicating with the, uh, with the clients about the patient's diagnosis, it's very hard to do over the phone because you can't read or sense what the tone is going to be, how they're receiving things. So you have to make sure that you're creating um, better ways to communicate. So if they don't get it the first time, then you have to communicate in a different way. But if they don't get it that time, you have to continue to like revamp how you communicate. Um, whereas if they see you in person, they look at you and they're just like, we get the sense that this is bad. Um, just by looking at your facial expression, but uh, I don't truly understand exactly what's happening. Uh, and so I think that COVID in that sense is was better for 2020 graduates because you have to know how to talk to people within veterinary medicine. And I know that's like one of the main reasons that most people go into veterinary medicine, so they don't have to talk to people. But 
those pets come attached to people and right. those people are the people that you have to talk about and get permission for running diagnostics and things like that. And if you're not able to communicate what your thoughts are in an eloquent fashion to them, how are you expected to um, save this animal or save this pet? You know what, Kyle? Me too. <laughs> my favorite parts. I will tell you. I love it. So I, I hear you loud and clear. I love taking care of the animals, but I really love communicating with clients. It's just fun. <laughs> it is. It is. Even the hard stuff. I, I, I really find it really fulfilling and I really like it. So I'm, you have a huge smile on your face and I get it. I get it. I can tell you're talking from like your heart. So I, I'm right there with you. So I understand in 2018, you were the recipient of the Zoetis and the Association of American Veterinary Medical College's Veterinary Student Scholarship. So congratulations. And oh it <laughs> offers scholarship opportunities to second and third year veterinary students enrolled at you know colleges in the U.S. and the Caribbean. And the award is based on academic excellence, leadership, financial need, as well as meeting the ongoing needs of the veterinary profession. So like diversity and sustainability, mixed and rural practice um, needs. What part of the scholarship really spoke to you? The money. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, from a personal standpoint, I think the thing that stood out to me the most is that it was supplying. Wait a minute. um, You know what? I'm going to interrupt you for a minute. No, that's a fair answer. I will tell you. (laughs) What vet student wouldn't want the money? Look, we were all poor. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. You don't have to apologize for that. I want to hear the rest of your answer, but I'm, I'm. thank you for being so honest because that's what we're all thinking. It's the money. <laughs> we could say it it's the money and now go ahead. <laughs> it is. It's the money and it was the fact that it was um, supplying it to one second and third year. So it created like a limit uh, for other students because like it wasn't um, the first years who could apply who didn't who hadn't really established themselves. But necessarily like fourth years. Yes, we understand that they need the money, but also second and third years are finding it. That's where I found it most um, difficult to really create a budget for myself because our classes were getting a bit more strenuous. And, you know, we had to order a takeout a lot of the time because we're studying so late, things like that. Um, And also, like, that's where we experienced the tuition increase at that time, too. Uh, And so as an out-of-state student attending uh, Wisconsin, it was a lot more difficult for me to, like, be financial, financially or fiscally responsible at that time um, because I had limited funds to work with anyway. So the money was a big portion of it, but also because they were providing it to students, not only based on just their GPA. It was like, oh, well, what else are you doing? Um, <laughs> student leadership as well as like, oh, yeah, like you're going to practice in rural practice. Uh, you are um, part of like the diversity and inclusion initiative, things of that nature. So that's what I also appreciated it for. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And I know you're involved with um, Black DVM and Possibilities, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Possibilities Vet Med. Why did you connect with those groups? Oh, (laughs) Uh, so for Possibilities, um, the founder or one of the co-founders, actually both of them, but one of them I'm very, very close with, uh, Valerie. um, Yeah. Valerie Mercano. She is a PhD DVM um, from the class of 2020 as well. 
she was the national president of Voice when I initially became like a part of Voice, and then I became like her national vice president, and then we became national co-presidents the year after. Um, and we worked extremely close together. Like we were two peas in a pod uh, for voice, like revamping voice, creating new initiatives, creating like a new guideline, helping with the communication between chapters. We essentially re, uh, vibe, revived voice from what it was. Uh, and ultimately, um, she created this initiative for mentorship within the veterinary community and asked if I wanted to be on the board for that because, of the experiences that we had together. And I was like, of course, yes. And so now I work really closely with her for that as well. The other co-founder is her husband, (laughs) Seth. So, um, but I worked mostly with Valerie for possibilities. And that's why uh, I think that it's a very important thing because mentorship within veterinary medicine, especially for those students of color, um, is it's hard to come by. Um, to find someone else that you identify with uh, within veterinary medicine who's already a veterinarian and you're like pre-veterinary studies or you're in veterinary school but haven't found like a direct mentor that understands uh, is something that I find is really hard um, to find, uh, especially coming from being one of those students. Um, The Black DVM Network is along the same lines. Uh, I found out that um, the Black DVM Network was created by a 2020-er, is what I call him, a 2020-er, um, a graduate of the class 2020 from a completely different school, Dr. Tierra Price. Um, and it was, a crea- it was created to create that community, essentially, for um, those who identify as Black within the veterinary medical profession. And again, going back to me entering into Wisconsin and not having that community and being like the one person in my class who identifies as a a Black or African-American and not having that community, wanting to extend that community is something that like I was a big advocate for. And that's why I absolutely love these two platforms the most because it focuses on diversity, inclusion, equity, creating those spaces that are safe spaces for those who identify as people of color. Yeah. Well, it's so funny, Kyle, that, you know, two of our guests this season, one is Dr. Seth and one is Dr. (laughs) Tierra. So this is just perfect. How do you like that? Oh, that is amazing. (laughs) Some of our listeners may not be familiar with voice. So I was wondering if you could just explain it, where it came from and, you know, your involvement and and so forth. Yeah. Um, So voice stands for veterinarians as one inclusive community for empowerment. Um, It's a national student led organization that has multiple different chapters uh, at different veterinary schools. Um, It helps to create um, outreach programs as well as uh, veterinary community specific programs centered around uh, inclusivity, diversity, uh, education, equity, equality, things of that nature. Um, is one of those um, student-led organizations that helps to create um, some type of safe space for those who identify as a minority within VetMed, and minority bring a broad term for ethnicity, uh, sexuality, orientation, things of that nature. Um, and so I got involved in it when I 
uh, first came to Wisconsin. And I was like, and that's the place for me. Because again, uh, not having that community already, I wanted to find at least something that I could um, feel safe within. Um, And when we started out, it was a pretty good organization. It had, uh, every organization has its fault, um, but we were able to create something towards like the second semester where um, it wasn't as known during the fall semester, but then by the spring semester, we started to get our name out there. And then on a national level, um, I got involved when I went to the Savant Symposium. I met Valerie, I met Dr. Greenhill. uh, And then since then, it's just been uh, this whirlwind of just revamping the organization, uh, both on a national level and a state level. Uh, And eventually uh, we ended up at the Wisconsin chapter, we ended up winning like two different awards from the national level. Um, so like the national programming service award, as well as like chapter of the year award the next year following our biggest competitors being Purdue. Um, as you can imagine, they are like phenomenal in their programming, especially because they also have um, such a framework due to the diversity certificate that they already offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it uh <laughs> created like this um rivalry that was very friendly we i was st- i was still best friends with like um many of their chapter leaders and things of that nature so it was it's an organization that truly helped me find out what i really loved about um veterinary medicine outside from the medicine perspective of things um and it also helped uh, me to create spaces that were uh, more inclusive and more open and more of a safe space for those people who identify as minorities within VetNet. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Well, we are almost out of time, but I was wondering if you had any advice for new grads coming into the field, you know, in a month or two or three. I know fake it till you make it is already something that we already know, but it's really about um, having confidence in yourself to know that you know the best plan for your patient. So always advocate for your patient no matter what, but also um, knowing that it's okay to be confident in your plan, but also know that there are better plans out there. So be open to learning. So open-mindedness, confidence, as well as learning. every day that you possibly can is something that I encourage all new grads to just undertake because you can never stop learning as a veterinarian. And I encourage you to continue learning. Um, That way we can practice the best medicine that we can, as well as preserving that human animal bond as much as possible. And as always communicate as effectively as you can, because you never know, Uh, especially now within these times where we thought that COVID was only going to be three months and now it's, been a full year. So you never know. <laughs> Communication is a pretty big part of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, I I don't want to stop chatting. Can we just keep going? But but we have to stop. But I, I, it, it's been so great talking to you. <laughs> Thanks. It's been great talking to you too. <laughs> this wraps up another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. Please remember to visit VetVance at www.vetvance.com and check out Zoetta's Commitment to Veterinarians on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get more information about life issues such as handling student debt, reducing stress, communication skills, and reputation management. 
VetVance is also available as a mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at scrubchat at zoetis.com. We'd love to hear from you. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. Until next time, I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this is Scrub Chat.